0: Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon.
1: Hello, everyone. This week's episode is part two of our 2022 highlights. Today, we'll continue to review some of my favorite moments from this year's episodes, specifically from 110 to 126. In this episode, discover what's possible when we grow stronger together. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at autismpodcast Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. In episode 110, I was joined by Anna Tuzova. Anna is a Ukrainian refugee who is providing autism services in Poland. Here's Anna describing the impact of war on families with autistic loved ones.
2: Of course, it's very challenging. It's uh, it's difficult to be a refugee with a normal development children. And I think that every child from Ukraine right now, they have a lot of trauma because lots of them, so like as, as my children, uh, they would spend many nights in the basements uh, in the bomb shelters, or they would hear all of this bombing. And I think you can you can see right now Ukrainians on the streets like when there is a very loud noise, like we always turn our heads and we just like get scared because we cannot use to to loud noises for now but for families with autistic children, this is so much like ten times worse situation because many of them many of the children they don't really understand the speech like they don't understand the conversation. And when you have to be with the child in the basement for like weeks, of course, it's just, I don't know, it's just horrible. Like, we have a family from Mariupol, they just started to attend us, they just started to come to us, and they spent six weeks in the basement with their kid in Mariupol. And he does understand a little bit of speech, but still, it was impossible to explain him why we cannot go outside or like why we cannot go and play or why is it so loud during all the nights and all the days. And of course, this kid, like he, he started to to hit his head like really badly and he screams a lot and it impacts, of course, the family too.
1: Episode 111 featured our Global Autism Project COO, Cassie Hardin-Scott. In this clip, Cassie explains the meaning behind our organization's logo.
3: And then just under the A and the U in autism is an opening. And just beneath the opening is the word project in a slightly less bold font. So, yeah, and that's it. There's no, <laughs> there's no puzzle pieces. There's no hands. There's no globe. It's a container to be explored. And there's an opening on the outside of that box, on the outside of the boundaries is the word project. And project for us as an organization has meant and continues to mean creation and possibility. And our vision being to to create a world where everyone can thrive and reach their potential, no matter where they're born. I think that we achieve that in that that space of the project that's outside of the container. When we go through that opening, the container being a powerful space for exploration and curiosity, and when you break outside of that, that you can really step into possibility and creation.
1: Episode 112 was a Global Autism Community Roundtable discussion about inclusion and acceptance. Community moderator David Sharif facilitated this discussion shortly before his passing. As heartbreaking as it was to say goodbye to David, we were happy that he had an opportunity to step into this role and pave the way for other moderators to lead our roundtables. In this clip, self-advocates Olivia Hopps and Corbin Havener talk about coping with different situations and being exposed to new interests
3: that's really helpful
4: when there's a lot of commotion going on because then I can kind of just stay in my own little world more. And then much like Scott said, I was going to say like having a therapist, yes, but also like having somebody with me in like situations that make me really anxious, like my fiance, Alex, or my parent or somebody that I can like lean on who like can do the talking for me or, you know, knows what's going on. So it just makes me less anxious. Like I, they're basically like my therapy person and like our service person instead of like a service dog or something Just knowing that they're there gives me some comfort. So that always um, helps me in situations I don't like.
5: I think Regardless of how your child is, if your child's uh, neurotypical or neurodivergent, expose them to different experiences and leave them open to different interests because special specific interests are what, you know, will bring, you know, autistic children a lot of joy. And if a child is open to a lot of new experiences and interests, it'll be easier for them to accept the autistic child. Because they'll be learning something cool and new.
1: In episode 113, I had the pleasure of speaking with autistic self-advocate Sarah Bradford. Sarah is the host of the SJ Child Show, a children's book author, and a mother to three children, two of whom are autistic. Here's Sarah sharing how her relationship with her family grew deeper after discovering her own autism.
6: I had kind of been questioning and telling my husband, how do you think I understand all, all of you so well? Maybe I, you know, have a space on the spectrum too. And, you know, it's kind of like, where do I belong here? And, and then going to find out for myself was, it was so empowering and it really brought this connection to us as a family, really fulfilling. Hmm. To know that we were just all kind of in it together, (laughs) if you will, on on our journey, and we could give each other so much more patience and grace and understanding, uh, being able to see, number one, they're our children, so now we know that they're both so much more like us than than we thought they were before even which gives us the advantage and the chance to kind of guide them the way we wished we would have been. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's almost the best thing you can do as a parent is do better when you know better.
1: Episode 114 featured Jim Hogan, an autistic computer scientist, Jim is both the Principal Innovation Strategist at Google Cloud and the VP of Accessibility and Technology for Google's Disability Alliance. This is Jim on Accessible Technology.
0: And I can tell you, like, things like in Meet and then, and then other, others came and adopted, there, there's things like the raise hand feature. And the raise hand feature is about somebody who, like myself, so there's a meeting going on, there's like 15 people in the meeting and there's all kinds of crosstalk and people are interrupting each other. And for me, like I can't, I can't understand what the hell's going on. So basically it, the raise hand feature allows me to, to pause the cadence of the meeting, you know, to be able to just stop everything and kind of jump in and, and say what, what I have to say. And it's incredibly important because if there's too much going on, it's like a super highway that's traveling 10,000 miles an hour. Like I have a very hard time getting a word in edgewise. So if they do if, if people that are on the call with me ignore the raise hand feature, then I get really angry because it's part of my user guide and it's you know that exists for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm kind of a you know a huge activist when it comes to to making sure every voice is being heard.
1: Episode 115 was a global autism community event led by Corbin Havener. That month's topic was summer travel and holidays. Here are community members Liz Castillo and Danielle Terrell offering tips on navigating airports and enduring long road trips. Know
7: all of the gate information that is on your ticket. Look at your gate, your boarding time and the time that it actually departs because one of the things I learned is that like they close the door before they actually depart. And so if you get to your gate after that, they will not let you on the flight. And so I think that's like some really important information that I think... If you're a new traveler or haven't traveled often, it's something you might miss. Like you might look at your ticket and say, "Hey, cool, I have until twelve thirty when my plane departs," but that's not the case. Like they take into account that, "Hey, we need to close up. We need to make sure everyone's buckled in, that everything's there." Because my first time flying on my own as an adult, um, I got to the airport and I was like, I can see the airplane. It's still there. They're like, we're up. We're sorry, but the door is closed. We cannot open it up again. Um, We'll have to reschedule you onto a different flight. So it was a learning experience for me. I had only ever traveled with my parents as a kid. So when I traveled on my own, I didn't know to look for that detail. And so it was really cool that they were able to get me on the flight right after, but had that flight not been available i would have been stuck and or out of that flight if you're a new traveler or you're just starting to travel through airlines and uh, those are some things to kind of keep in mind as you start taking adventures
8: so with a long car ride packing snacks kind of being aware of where the rest stops are They're not always consistent. So just keeping that in mind of when you can get off and either take a break to use the restroom or just stretch. So kind of thinking about that. And personally for me, if I'm traveling by myself, I also prefer an earlier weather flight or just an earlier departure in case something does happen. So I feel safer in daylight hours if uh, plans change. Just overall comfort with what you're wearing and um, to kind of backtrack with the airport, shoes that are easy to get on and off, not too many things in your pockets or wearing too many things that you're going to have to take off going through security. And then in those road trips, comfortable shoes that, you know, you're safe in while you're driving, but also to get you through however long the trip may be.
1: Autistic self-advocate and blogger Mary Johnston came on the show for episode 116. In this clip, Mary reads a piece she wrote titled, A Letter to My Autism.
4: Autism, you're a part of me, my DNA, my soul, yet for so many years I was ashamed and embarrassed about who you were. I had so much depression and anxiety about not fitting in and being like the other kids. Yeah, high school sucked for us. School sucked for us. Anxiety and depression are hard for any high schooler. It's harder with you, though, because you make me feel these emotions 30 times stronger than anyone else. I'm sorry for how I treated you, for shaming our stims, our smile and laugh and innocence. Our beam and getting too loud and exciting when something small happens. Yet to us, it was like winning a lottery. I'm sorry I hated you when people bullied us and called us names. When we tried so hard to joke with the holistics and the neurotypicals, yet we seen as the weird ones, or trying too hard, or when we let our freak frag fly and we were seen as that weird, stupid autistic kid. I'm sorry I almost gave up on us and thought about it more than once. I'm sorry we struggled with school and had to put on a tough mask to avoid getting hurt more than we did. It's not fair and never was. Even if it did serve protection, I'm sorry they looked at you like a worthless box of nothing, and I saw so much in you. I'm sorry we had to suffer from jealousy of not feeling good enough or having our confidence shattered when expectations didn't go our way. I'm sorry the world is so lonely and confusing. I'm sorry those around you looked at you strangely and fantasized you or talked about you like you were a void in an empty room. But I have to thank you. Yes, you. Made a difference in my life. It's very difficult in a lot of ways. No one just wakes up and wishes to be in our shoes. It's not all unicorns and rainbows. But you are the first genetic blessing I never knew I needed. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love your joy so much, your beam, your grin, your smile. I love your bad catching skills and your humor and intelligence of things you love. I know that you always feel like you're in competition with everyone, but you always loved learning, especially about the things you love. You've always loved adventure and you're more loyal than anyone on this planet added up and multiplied by a thousand. I love your caring nature and love for family, dreams, and helping others. Heck, I love your never-ending passion for what you love and your resilience to make what you want happen. I admire your confidence and hope for better change. I admire your respect for others and treating everyone well. I love how daring you are and how nicely you treat others. You belong with me, Autism. I'm sorry it took so long to say this, but you made me who I am and I'm thankful for it.
1: In episode 117, the founder of PixiePal, Chris McDonald, joined me to talk about his light tech communication device. Here's Chris offering some advice for parents.
9: He was typing in the chat of Minecraft and having a conversation with my wife about his day and could, could she bring milk up and, and all this sort of stuff. And I, th- and, and, and I was about to stop it. I was about to say, put the bloody iPad down. It's finished. <laughs> like it's, it's time for bed. But I stopped myself and I guess this is my point. I stopped myself because he was a seven-year-old boy trying to connect with mu- his mum who hasn't seen all day. And I'm going to saying it. And, yeah. and, 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 and because, because how dare I stop that? He was trying to communicate and he was using AAC, it was an alternative to speech, and it was within the game that he was playing. How he thought of doing that, I don't know, right? And that proves how innovative and creative children can be if they just have access to it, that they just need access. If they don't have access to it, they're not going to blow your mind, but they will blow your mind if they have access to it.
1: In episode 118, I spoke with autistic self-advocate Paul Mikolev. Paul is the founder of Autism from the Inside, a platform offering an autism-friendly online course on emotional intelligence, as well as relationship coaching for autistic people and their loved ones. In this clip, Paul describes how he learned emotional intelligence.
10: It started off with just the awareness that I was different and the awareness that people were different. And I had to answer this question for myself. How do I predict the behavior of people around me? People around me seem weird and strange and do funny things for funny reasons I don't understand. So I needed to answer those questions for myself just for survival. And the best answer I found to that question is, if you want to understand behavior you have to understand the emotions that are driving behavior. So my little aspie brain would ask people questions like what were you thinking or why did you do that? And the answers that I got were not the real answers. The answers were you know post rationalizations from the person of oh I wonder why I did that. It must have been for this reason. It was not for the intellectual reason that they were telling me. It was because it was motivated by how they were feeling at the time. So I would ask a question like, why do I have to say hello? I don't like saying hello. Why do I have to say hello? And no one had a good answer for me. Turns out there is a very, very good answer. And I've you know built up the framework so that I can understand that now in the context of emotional intelligence and the effect that it has on other people. and culture and norms and what happens when you break those norms and all of that kind of complicated stuff. But the people around me didn't know the answer. They just would shrug it off and go, I don't know, you just do. That's just what you do. And that was kind of the level of sophistication that the answers were. It's just what you do, just do it. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't very helpful for me.
1: Episode 119 was a special global autism community event held live at the 1 in 44 Tour Virtual Summit, organized by Sarah Bradford. The theme of this roundtable discussion was controversial topics, such as identity-first or person-first language, the puzzle piece symbol, and ABA therapy. In these next clips, you'll hear from self-advocates Stephanie Kramer, Sarah Bradford, Ryan Litchfield, and Michael Gilberg.
11: I think for me... I kind of just personally, obviously, if someone says that they prefer something, I'm not going to like, be like randomly disrespectful. And it's the so same with pronouns. Like if they want to be called something, I'll say it because it's no skin off my nose. But for me personally, what I like is autistic. So because it's kind of reclaiming it. Like, I mean, I'm not LGBT, but I know in that community, they've reclaimed the word queer. At least I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in the UK. There's a lot of people that use the word queer as like this is my identity, this part of me. So it used to be like a kind of ooh, not nice word. So like being autistic kind of had these, used to have these negative connotations, and it's all about reclaiming it and kind of like we have all heard the rain man stereotype, and it's like oh, how many times we heard this. So but you want to take that and reclaim it. So like in my LinkedIn status, I've got like rain woman because it's like I've heard this stupid joke so many times. I'm gonna reclaim it and. Again, in the UK, we have, there was a petition that women wanted to walk late at night and they were reclaiming the word slut and it was called slut walk. And it's nothing to do with, it, it was just like reclaiming a negative word. So that's personally why I like to say I'm autistic.
6: I love that point, Michael, that most people, if they're going into, you know, doing a post, I I can't even think of one post that I've ever seen that has been, um, except for maybe the Tylenol lawsuits. Okay. Well, we'll go that that's, I don't um, know that they're doing the best thing, but however, I think that just the fact that when most people do post and they are posting to support autism and they do use a puzzle piece, it is with good intention, and it, it's both great that people are able to share their opinions and how they feel about it. At the same time, like you said, without the information, they may feel discouraged to then again support. And do another post, which isn't a place we should make anyone feel. You know, if people are coming with love and intentions to support, then we can just maybe gently say, hey, these are some other better ways to do so, rather than knock them down and make them feel bad about the choices that they had no information otherwise to make.
5: I went through about 20 to 40 hours of therapy a week. It depends on the experiences of individuals where. Some people may have not had the best of experiences. And then you have people that have had those good experiences.
9: And I think the reason
5: I had, you know, some good experiences is because I had somebody that was personable and somebody that I was able to connect with. And to this day, I even connect with my former ABA therapist. I went out to dinner with her a while back. I just think it's almost like a toolkit. I, I, that's how I looked at it. It's like a toolkit for navigating life. It's like, you know, you learn these different skills, like, like social skills. It's like, you know, to apply in different situations. But the reality is, is that like life is not always black and white. There's going to be those shades of gray, as they say. But, you know, like they thought I was going to have to learn sign language when I was two, like when I was not talking to stuff. And that part of that process was teaching me to communicate and stuff. And now this is where I am today. You know, this is what has led to be a success story for me.
12: I think that the problem is not everybody works with the same definition of ABA. Some people view ABA as a rigid, you have to go by this formula that's laid out in a BCBA guideline. Some people view ABA as any form of behavior modification. And I think we have to look at two things. First, what is the behavior we're addressing? Is it something dangerous versus something that's quote-unquote weird or unusual? Someone wants to flap their hands or stim or whatever, who cares? But I represent kids who run in the street. You have to deal with that behavior. You can't just say he's autistic, let him run on the street. Or kids who are, I've had clients who are masturbating in class, students. You can't just say, oh, he's autistic, let him masturbate in class. These are behaviors that have to be addressed. And I think the second question is, how do you address them? Are you addressing them through positive means or negative means?
1: In episode 120, we brought back the CEO of the Global Autism Project, Molly Ola Pinney. Here's Molly talking about our new affiliate program.
13: As I said, it's not a program that we're offering only internationally, right? We're international as the whole world now. Whether you're in the US or in another country, whether you're in a place that people want to visit all the time, or a place that you know people rarely come to. This is really designed for you. If you feel like you are constantly trying to figure out what the next step is, if you feel like you're doing a lot of the same things over and over again, but just not making the progress that you see other people make in your business, if you feel like it would make a difference for you to have a roadmap, to have a community, then I think this training is for you. You know, If you are somebody who wants to make a difference in the world... We've been doing that for a long time at the Global Autism Project. We've learned so much from our partners, so much from implementing different programs all over the world, and we're really excited to share those in our free training.
1: Episode 121 featured autistic self-advocate and digital creator behind the Instagram account Autism," Tiffany Joseph. Tiffany sometimes uses an augmentative and alternative communication device. Listen to Tiffany's ideas to improve the education system.
14: The main one is teachers, therapists, and caregivers assuming too little of autistic capabilities. Instead of society asking the question of how can we provide this student the opportunity to show their capabilities, the assumption is if they just can't show it in a traditional way, that means they have no abilities. Really, all the educational barriers extend from false assumption of little brain power. We would already have the innovation and tools and strategies needed on a wide-scale basis, if not for these false assumptions. To be more particular, I need to see more education opportunities for autistic people alongside access to full communication. That means as challenging a curriculum as every other same-age peer gets. It also means we discover reading capabilities early and teach any gaps in reading. We have to determine if there are any disabilities related to literacy too. We also have to discover where there are strengths. We have to remember that a good portion of autistic people are hyperlexic, meaning they have early reading and simple decoding skills. It doesn't matter what the speech capability is. Right now, Educators assume no speech means not able to read, nor, or no ability to point to the correct words also means that. But speech and pointing are motor operations. They don't show internal capability. We need to teach the body how to perform what their mind says, and don't assume they know something or they don't something, and teach anyway.
1: In episode 122... Community moderator Michelle Vinakurov hosted a Global Autism Community Roundtable discussion about self-development and accountability. Here are self-advocates Andrew Bennett and Christina Kasperson talking about fostering a growth mindset.
15: Growing up, most things were just done for me and I was protected from failure and it led to me finding any kind of failure or anything that might possibly be a situation where I would be rejected or screw up or not be successful as so aversive I wouldn't even try to do it so that's part of the growth mindset and the other part is realizing that part of the narrative in society is that you know maybe society is going to tell you you can't do these things because of x y and z Also. The general narrative given to autistic people, at least when I grew up, was "you're not going to do this and that," so it limits you, or puts you in a box, and it's a sad reality. A lot of us were predicted to land in institutions or to never go to school or go to college or live on their own, and that, if you understand that and what it can make you believe that as well, and realizing that. That is a belief that has been pounded into you or force fed to you in some way or another allows you to then do the hard work to first break that and then go into the growth mindset. No, I can grow. I can change and I can do these things.
16: I think it's important to know your rhythms, uh, your own rhythms, what you need to feel your best and to perform your best, whether that's uh, your, your rest, your exercise and, and to put some boundaries around those things and and to say, be able to say no to people because to say yes to your goals or to say yes to those really important things in your life means you have to say no sometimes to other things and, and to people sometimes. So you have to say no to say yes sometimes. Yeah.
1: And
8: if I could add, sometimes you have to say no to take care of yourself.
1: I was joined by Austin Lubetkin in episode 123. Austin is an autistic self-advocate, artist, and software engineer. He also has synesthesia, a neurological condition in which information meant to stimulate one of your senses stimulates several of them. In this clip, Austin describes how synesthesia influences his art.
17: I have synesthesia. Yeah, so colors and emotions and brain chemistry. You see along the colors of my art, which um, is kind of a color palette that kind of, kind of analogs to it. The, the reality is that the colors I see with my are sister kind of outside the palette. They're kind of like after images of colors. Like when you look at a bright color and you close your eyes and you look away and you see sort of an after image of the That's kind of what those colors kind of look like to me. But I, I try to capture that sort of the, the energy and the way they move in my and my, it's actually interesting where I can kind of see the way my autism represents itself through my synesthesia when I'm looking at my brain chemistry, when it kind of tries to organize things into more uh, polar sort of structures, trying to move out those grays and trying to organize them to more extremes. I think that sort of that tendency of my brain and my brain chemistry is what at its fundamental core would be my autism. Episode
1: 124 was a global autism community event Led by Mary Johnston. That month's topic was health and wellness. Here's self advocate Michelle Vinokurov and community member Dejan Greer talking about how they tend to their mental and physical health.
18: In regards to taking care of my mental health, as you may know, I work more than one job, and that's not easy for people to do that. And so, for me, like, when it comes to balancing everything, I'm like, what I do is that make, I make sure when I get home, like, I am not doing anything work-related whatsoever. Because <laughs> I think we all can know that, like, work can be very stressful and it impacts our health very much, so... I always make sure that I'm not doing too much of anything that's work related. Like, especially when it's eight o'clock at night, I'm like, I tell myself I'm done. I better go enjoy like spending time outside to where I'm listening to music or reading a book and spending time with family. Those are just some things that I do to really take care of my mental health.
19: One thing I recently started doing, I started talking to my therapist, but I was, I just stopped trying to fight it because it seemed like the more i try trying to put myself on a schedule or saying, oh, you need to be asleep or, you know, oh, time to get up. I kind of just stopped fighting it and kind of just listen to my body more and, you know, take naps here and there. I do do a lot of deep meditation, try to put my brain on different kind of wavelengths, you know, alpha, beta, theta and those kind of wavelengths. I do listen to music. Because I'm not really a TV watcher because I can't sit there long enough to watch TV or I don't know what's going on after about 30 minutes of the show. I can't name a character or nothing like that. So what I do is I just try to do a lot of meditation and relax. And eventually I'll just, you know, put myself on kind of like a, all right, day by day sleep schedule if that makes sense you know today I'll probably go to sleep at you know when I'm tired around this time or you know like I said I just stop trying to fight it you know if I'm up in the middle of the night I'll get up and do something productive and then I'll lay back down if not I'll just stay up and you know there was certain things that I just try to just try to get done instead of just trying to fight it you know I just try to use it to my advantage
1: Episode 125 was a special Thanksgiving episode in which members of our community shared what they're grateful for. Here are self-advocate and clinical therapist Robert Schmuse, autism sibling and occupational therapist Cheryl Albright, and autism father and host of The Awesome Show, Jamil Owens.
5: What I'm grateful for this year is, well, a lot of things. One, I married the love of my life, who great greatly love. I was able to travel to two countries with my wife at an amazing time. I also have been able to become a keynote speaker and do a lot of speaking engagements for different organizations. And it's something I really want to, want to continue with. When it comes to special intentions for the holiday season, just to be around family, get close with friends, make sure that I continue to do more autism advocacy and go forward with it.
4: This year, I'm grateful for all the experiences that I was able to have this year, including the SkillCore trip to Rhonda. And my special intentions for this holiday season is just to enjoy them and stay in the present moment.
19: What I'm thankful for this year, I'm thankful for friends, family. I'm thankful for my home, thankful for my health, my mental health. I'm thankful for uh, my heart being able to be open and Being able to be transparent, that's what I'm thankful for. And I I hope and I'm praying that I will continue to lead not only myself, but my family and friends and everyone in a positive direction going forward 2022, 2023, excuse me. Wow. And beyond. My special plans this year to love on everybody where they're at. Help me. Join me by loving those exactly where they are at.
1: Last, but certainly not least, in episode 126, Dr. Temple Grandin came back on the show to talk about her new book, Visual Thinking, The Hidden Gifts of People Who Think in Pictures, Patterns, and Abstractions. Here's Dr. Grandin discussing different kinds of visual thinkers.
16: There's actually two kinds of visual thinking. There's visual thinking, my kind of visual thinking, where I think in pictures, object visualization. Everything I think about is a photorealistic picture. And that's shown very, very accurately in the HBO movie. And we're good at animals, anything mechanical, art, and photography. Now, the other kind of visualization is visual spatial. This is your mathematician, your pattern thinker, pattern thinker, not picture thinker. These are your mathematicians, your computer coders. And we have plenty of those and they get degrees at the university. But the people I've worked with, many of them would be special ed kids today, probably barely graduated from high school, but they took a welding class, started a little shop and it grew. And some of the shops got so big, they have a corporate jet. And this is where we've lost skills. There's a connection here between autism, dyslexia, and ADHD. And losing skills in specialized mechanical equipment. And we need all the different kinds of minds to solve problems. You need the mathematical thinkers, you need the picture thinkers like me, and we need the verbal thinkers too. Mm-hmm. You know, all the different kinds of minds need to work together and they have complementary skills. And I discuss that in detail in my book on visual thinking. And in the future, we need to figure out how to solve problems. So if we're working on something like, you know, renewable energy, pick out something specific that you can actually work on, make it successful, and then write about how you did it.
1: And that's a wrap. As I was reflecting on these past episodes from 2022, I was overcome with immense gratitude for our community. A huge thank you to our guests for sharing their stories, to our listeners for your continued support and to our team for all the work behind the scenes. Special thanks to Anne Ngoc for helping put this highlights episode together and to our community moderators, Liz Castillo, Michelle Vinokurov, Corbin Havener, and Mary Johnston for monitoring posts daily and keeping our online space safe and respectful. If you didn't listen to part one of this year's highlights or are curious about what we were up to in 2020 and 2021, You can find links to all of our highlight series in our show notes. From all of us at the Global Autism Project, we wish you a happy and safe holiday season and hope you can spend some quality time with your loved ones. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community.
0: You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism
14: around the world.